Father, to, to put you in that place in our life where you have our full attention. And I pray, Lord, that you would enable us today to, what, to take what we learn, what we receive from you, and to go and share it with others this week. Thank you so much. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys can have a seat, and uh, that would be okay. If you keep standing, it's going to be weird. I'm just going to make Star Trek noises, so don't worry about that. All right. How's everybody doing this morning? Oh, good. That way. That's how it's going to be. How's everybody doing this morning? Okay. That starts good. Good morning. All right. It's good to see you guys. So last week, we started a new series called Step Into the Water, and I want to you know, I grew up in southern gospel area of the country, and so I want to break out in that song, Step Into the Water, which is an old southern gospel song, but I can't do bass very well, so I'm going to spare you that little move for now. Anything could happen later, all right? So uh, we're in this series, Step Into the Water, what we are doing is we are preparing for baptism. So on um, August 29th, thank you, Steve. By the way, if you need my number, I would like to give you Steve's number so that he can get a hold of me. I like to let him filter my calls. Anyway, I got a call the other night from a guy from Germany, so I really wish Steve had gotten that call. Anyway, so, no, I'm just kidding, actually. So, um, anyway, so August 29th, we are going to do our annual river uh, church picnic, so we will eat, so that's good. We, will, we don't know what we're eating yet. We're probably going to catch something on the way. And then, um, then we do our river baptism. So what this series is meant to do is to prepare you for the idea of baptism if you've never been baptized before, so that you can uh, make a decision about that. I, I consider baptism very important. I will go through that in just a minute. Uh, and so if you have been baptized, but maybe you weren't baptized for the right reasons or at the right uh, moment, or maybe you want to reconsider, or maybe there's a point in your life you would like to draw a line in the sand, uh, that's what this series is about. So today we're talking about how baptism takes us into a place of freedom, stepping into our freedom. I don't know if you know this or not, but God is all about your freedom. I heard an incredible idea the other day from another pastor who said that heaven is freedom and that time on earth is to prepare us to live in a freedom that we will enjoy for eternity. Quite an idea. It's one I've been, I'm still chewing on, but uh, quite an idea. So, your new life in Jesus and the idea of baptism is meant to help you wrap your eyes, your heart, and your mind around the idea of freedom and what it means to be free. It's for freedom that Christ has set you free. God's concerned about your freedom. Yes, He wants you to obey His commands, but because His commands lead you into freedom, not into bondage. So let's jump into this cool story in Exodus chapter 14, because today's message is, ba- is, uh, this, today's message in bab- is baptized in. That's not what I meant to say, but that's what came out. Do you ever do that? Like your wife says, honey, would you take out the trash? And you say no, and you meant, oh no, that's not what I meant at all. <laughs> Just kidding. Just kidding. There's that Star Trek thing again. All right. So, Exodus 14, children of Israel had just escaped the bondage of Egypt. 1.5 approximately estimated Israelites that were slaves to the nation of Egypt are now free on the other side of the Red Sea. Before they even get to walk in their freedom, they start complaining. In Exodus 14, the Word of God says, 
Didn't we tell you this would happen while we were still in Egypt? We said, leave us alone. Let us be slaves to the Egyptians. It's better to be a slave in Egypt than a corpse in the wilderness. <clears throat> Man, that is fun right there. Okay. We... <laughs> I promise I'm not doing it. It could be the plate in my head, but I'm not doing it. Uh... 1.5 million Israelites are not even in freedom yet. All they are is released from bondage. And outside of bondage, they're in a wilderness, and the, the very first difficulties begin to raise their head. And their answer is, let's just go back where we came from. It would have been easier to stay a slave in Egypt than it would be to be free. What causes that kind of thinking in somebody's life? You see, this is important for us to understand because Paul wrote in Corinthians, he said, we use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons. We use God's mighty weapons. You hear that, right? Not the world's. Stuff God has, not stuff you can find on a shelf in a product. Something God has. We use God's mighty weapons to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. You see, it's one thing to be relieved of your bondage, but it's another thing to be free from a bondage mindset, thinking that is trapped in the ideas of bondage. And so that's what Christianity is about. Jesus came to set you free, for you to live in power, for you to live in victory. And so this baptism is how we begin to visualize what freedom can look like in our lives. Because baptism is an overwhelming experience, and that in itself is the problem with freedom. Freedom is overwhelming. You want a poorly behaved child? Put them out in an area with no boundaries, no fences, no rules, and you will see that the anxiety created by too much freedom will cause great anxiety in that child. So you give them a fence to make them safe, but you build it a little closer than you want it because they are children and they're going to want to climb the fence and grass is always greener, right? My point is this, freedom is, is, is frightening and it can be overwhelming to us. And so when God tells us he wants us to be free, that's hard for us to accept. It's easy for us to imagine God as, as, as disconnected from us, as way out there, than it is to imagine and understand a God who wants us to operate in the freedom, <laughs> there it goes again, that he gave us. So freedom is, is a little bit frightening. Freedom is also a responsibility. When I'm free, when I step into freedom, I'm responsible for my actions. I'm responsible for what I do. I'm responsible for taking care of myself. And so when it's easier to let a Pharaoh take care of me than for me to accept that responsibility. So freedom's hard because of the fact that it can be frightening, because it puts responsibility on me. But most importantly, the main thing I want you to understand today is that freedom is a mindset. It's a different way of thinking. And what we're going to do with this message is we're going to attach some new ideas to your baptism. Some new ideas to, to, maybe not new, but some ideas to it that can help you anchor that moment that you were baptized or that you're going to be baptized. Because this is where, this is where I come from. I grew up in the evangelistic era. You know, I came, my parents, I grew up in church in the 70s. 
I mean, I'm not old enough to have been a child in the 70s, but <laughs> I grew up in the 70s. I grew up out of that, that strong Bible Belt, heavily evangelistic type church. And so what we grew up learning was you, you, you told people the gospel or the four spiritual laws or the ABCs of salvation or the good news, bad news. I don't know. There's like a lot of ways to share the gospel with somebody. And then you had them make a, a commitment to Christ or pray a prayer. Well, my initial problem when I became a pastor and began to study the word a lot more, I began to realize nowhere in the Bible does that happen. No one, Jesus never stops and says, hey, uh, I want you to pray a prayer. Paul never does that. But what Jesus did say was, I want you to be baptized. Paul said, Peter said, I want you to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And so, so my emphasis, so I do still encourage people to, make, uh, to draw a line in the sand and pray some kind of a commitment prayer. But for me, the most important thing that you do your, is your public commitment that begins your life of faith. And I do not believe a life of faith is an accessory. What I mean is, when you step into life with Christ, He becomes your focus. He becomes your reason for living. He becomes your purpose. And that sets you free. That sets you free. So, let's look into this today and attach some ideas to our freedom. 1 Corinthians 10, Paul breaks down the Red Sea crossing a little bit and helps us understand it and what God meant by the event. Verse 1, 1 Corinthians 10. I don't want you to forget, dear brothers and sisters, about our ancestors in the wilderness long ago. All of them were guided by a cloud that moved ahead of them, and all of them walked through the sea on dry ground. In the cloud and in the sea, all of them were baptized as followers of Moses. All of them ate the same spiritual food, and all of them drank the same spiritual water. For they drank from the spiritual rock that traveled with them, and that rock was Christ. Yet God was not pleased with most of them, and their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. As we travel through this message series, we'll discover that only two Israelites survived the wilderness journey, which is a, a sobering thought. What I want you to see, though, is first, when Israel walked out of Egypt... Their oppression was over. Their enemies were destroyed. Their bondage ended in that seabed. And when the day was over, they were technically and physically free. That was how the day ended that day. Now, I believe that baptism does the same for us. I think that baptism shows us, demonstrates for us, that we are free. That what overwhelmed us, what was yesterday, the abuses of our past are done. That God has overcome those. God overcame the, the gods and the Pharaoh of Egypt and ended that army in the Red Sea. And for you, it's the same. God has overcome your past, your failures, your abuses. They are over. They're over. But it doesn't feel that way. Why? Because freedom is a mindset. And the voices of my abusers, those who've attacked me, those who've insulted me, those who've hurt me, the voices of the abusers are very difficult 
to get out of my head. And that's why God gives us these ritual, this ritual in particular of baptism to help us walk through and set us free from our past. So baptism helps us step into freedom. Baptism teaches us that our pain has a purpose. Think about Pharaoh for a minute. And the nation of Israel spent 400 years in slavery. That's a lot longer than America's been around, by the way. 400 years they spent in slavery. And in that time... There's a lot of pain. I mean, pain and abuse and, and cruel ruling. I mean, Egypt forced them to murder their children. Egypt beat them and caused them pain and agony so they would build the kingdom of Egypt. They were in Egypt because God had saved them so that they could become the people of God and form a nation. God had a promise of land for them. But while they were in Egypt, the, the Pharaoh was abusing them and using them and causing them pain for the purpose of building Pharaoh's kingdom, not God's kingdom. Now, guys, this is something every believer has to understand. Or whether, If you're not there yet, if you're not a believer, you're still exploring and, and trying to wrap your head around faith and, and the things around it. The, the thing you've got to understand is this world abuses people, and it uses people. The system you were born into is a system that uses you. And so much of your pain is caused by a Pharaoh, quote-unquote, who's using your pain to build a kingdom of darkness. But Jesus came so that we could be saved from that kingdom of darkness and be placed in, and, and build a new kingdom and have a new purpose and a freedom in our life. So if we could begin to realize that baptism, if we could embrace the idea, I mean, that baptism teaches us that our pain of the past has a purpose now to teach us what the old world was like and that our pain of the future because no life on earth is pain-free. We would love it that way. If I wrote a book about how it could be that way, I could make a lot of money, but it wouldn't work. Well, I mean, no one knows me or, you know, whatever. But the reality is, is that if you live on this earth, you're going to endure some pain. But baptism moves it, when that mindset, that commitment that makes a public statement to follow Christ moves the pain of life from a use that builds the kingdom of darkness that builds someone else's kingdom to a pain that, that is for Jesus. That is for a new kingdom. And so now that when I walk through this, I'm overwhelmed. That's what baptism is. It's overwhelming. It's why we dunk people in a freezing river <clears throat> so you come up overwhelmed i'm going to say that a lot in the series so just laugh every time okay it's overwhelming and so baptism overwhelms us but when we come out of it, we realize now that the pain we endure in life isn't just for evil it isn't just for wrong it isn't just for a system or an idea it's for jesus i mean if the son of god endured pain the sons and daughters of god are also going to endure pain, right? But Jesus' pain was not without purpose. There's good pain, there's bad pain. Remember we covered that in the last series. Good pain helps you grow. Good pain builds things. Good pain strengthens things. Bad pain is useless. It destroys. It harms. And so, when we're baptized, if we had the idea that now God is taking my pain and He's given it a purpose. So there's this passage in 2 Timothy that says to us, Gently instruct those who oppose the truth. Perhaps God will change those people's hearts and they'll learn the truth. 
Then they'll come to their senses and escape from the devil's trap, for they've been held captive by him to do whatever he wants. So here's this, here's this idea. This is one of my favorite passages, by the way. It's one that guides my ministry. I really try not to be a jerk, but that's my son. I don't know where he's going. It's okay. Go to mom. Thanks, Sarah. I appreciate it. He's, if I give him the floor, he will preach a better sermon than me, and then we'll be in trouble. I love this passage because it tells us, especially when we're ministering to other people, that we need to be patient. And this is really important. I was, I was talking to a fellow minister the other day. It's one who's traveling through. It's not a minister here in town, so it doesn't reflect on anyone you might know. And, and we were talking to the, the other day, and he was very down on the church. And any time I hear people talking about, oh, the church doesn't do this, the church needs to do that, and so forth, I, I just want to stop them and say, dude, who's the church? Because I'm looking at them. It's you, and it's me. By the way, if you talk about my wife like that, I'm going to deck you in Jesus' name. God bless you. Boom. You're supposed to turn the other cheek. I will as soon as you turn around. Anyway, so um, my, my point is, uh, you know, it's the bride of Christ, and he's got the bride under control. He, he's, the church is fine. The people in the church, yeah, they're kind of a mess, but the church is fine. All right? And, and so I, I realize now, in, in many years of ministry, I've understood you've you, you got to be patient because what we're trying to do is we're trying to help slaves think different. Let go of lies that are keeping them tied down and bound. You see, the slavery mindset is easy to identify. And, and, and one of the reasons, as I was thinking through the series, I, right now we live in a time in history where people are more into entertainments and escapes and, and those kind of things, and ever, addictions than ever before. It's just crazy. And, and, and I know why. Slaves need escapes. Why? Because... The, the next day, the, the, the jerk, the ruler, the taskmaster will be back. And so every escape is a reprieve from their pain. But Jesus didn't come to give you a, an escape, a, a reprieve, a temporary escape from bondage or pain. He came to set you totally free. He came to release us all so that we could walk in real freedom. And so I, I want to encourage us as we think about baptism, think of it as a way of rebelling against the system and the world of darkness in which you live. Because that's what it was for the early Christians. It was a way of saying, I don't trust this world. I do not think it's going to take care of me. There is nothing on this earth that can't be taken away from you. Right? And so, as we think about baptism, we think about walking into that purpose that God has for us. Jesus Christ's ministry began with baptism. That was the first thing that he did before he entered public ministry is that he was baptized. And when he was baptized, then he left the baptism service. The Holy Spirit came on him. God said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And he went into the wilderness. Where was the nation of Israel for 40 years? They were in a wilderness. What did they do in the wilderness? Well, they died there. What did Jesus do in the wilderness? He died there. To his own will. He submitted completely to the will of the Father there. Then that figurative death became a literal death on the cross that purchased freedom for us all. But his beginning was in baptism because it established his purpose. It said, from this moment on, I walk in the purposes that the Father has given me. 
You see, God's purpose for your life is a gift from the Father. If you view it as a task that must be accomplished, you do not understand that you are a son of a father. You think you're a servant of a king. And you are more than that. Oh yes, I guess you are at least that. But you are so much more than just a slave in the Father's house. And so freedom, the baptism guides us through that and it gives us purpose. So, the Bible says all of them were guided by a cloud that moved ahead of them. So I want you to think of baptism as that first step into your God-given purpose and realize that the pain that you go through in this life is to fulfill His mission. It's to fulfill your God-gifted purpose. And respect the idea that there is no life on earth without pain. But it is important that your life on earth is here to build the kingdom that recovers, that restores, that renews, that is light, rather than building the kingdom that steals and kills. I always want to make those rhyme. It's a Tennessee thing. Steals, kills, and destroys, y'all. Sorry, sorry. Sorry, if you knew what my true accent was, you would not be able to understand me. I'd have to have a translator every Sunday. So I don't know anybody who speaks banjo in this part of the country. Anyway, so your purpose is God's masterpiece of good and good works. That's your purpose. So baptism is a physical act that I can do that symbolizes that I'm leaving my bad pain behind. And now my pain, anything I endure, is for Jesus. Okay, so first idea, your pain has a purpose. Second idea, your life is going somewhere. All of them walk through the sea on the dry ground. Here's one thing that drives me crazy about the nation of Israel. And what drives me crazy is I know I would do exactly what they did. That's what really drives me crazy. They got out of bondage. They walked through the Red Sea. I mean, it was really awesome the way they left bondage. They get out in the wilderness God did not have a 40-year vacation in the wilderness on the sketchbook. That was not the plan. I, yeah, I know God's sovereign. I know God's powerful. I get it. But for some reason, he allows people to make choices. He allows people to be free. I'm starting to love that sound, actually. I'm, I'm really starting to love it. So... In fact, if we could do that every week, I'm, just kidding. I'm sorry. I'm just trying to get back on track, actually. <laughs> so the nation of Israel walked out of Egypt, and, and the, God's plan was to take them to the mount, give them the law, shoot them into the promised land. Yay, party for, I mean, have a great time. Uh, can Christians, never mind, we'll stop right there. Well, I mean, they get into the promised land, and, and it's, it's good. It's, it's, they live off the bounty of the, the land that was promised to them. That was the plan. The wilderness was to teach them to trust God, though. It was supposed to be a 12-month to 18-month lesson. (laughs) Turned into 40 years. Only two guys survived. So if your life is going to go to a new place, and you're not going to get stuck in a wilderness, you've got to change leaders. You see... They walked out of Egypt and they were following Moses. They were baptized into Moses is how Paul taught it. They were baptized into Moses and they were following him. But they were also baptized into the cloud. God was the one they were supposed to be linked into. They had a cloud uplink. That's probably what you were laughing at over there. 
And so they, they got out there, and the thing is, these slaves only knew how to listen to a Pharaoh. And Pharaohs lead through abuse and through punishment. By the way, you may have a hard time with this, but it's true. God doesn't lead that way. God doesn't lead through abuse and disconnection. And God doesn't lead through punishment. Am I saying God doesn't punish? Uh, no, I'm not actually saying that. God, God does punish. But his sons and daughters, he disciplines. And discipline and punishment are different things. They're different things. You are disciplined for victory. You're dis- disciplined to excel, to go farther, to accomplish more. There's not a whole lot of value in punishment other than to say, don't do that again. And I will say this, punishment is easier than discipline. Because punishment's over in a moment. Discipline is a continual effort of the mentor or the person that's leading to the person that's being led. It's a relationship. And so, if you and I are going to walk to a new place and out of a past that might be painful, might have caused us difficulty, might have started us off in a bad way in life, or, or might have placed a lot of bad voices in our heads, and most of us have something along those natures going on, or, in that, or uh, uh, like that going on in our life, then it's time to stop following. Stop following God like you followed Pharaoh. Because God isn't like Pharaoh. You have to follow a new leader, and God is a leader who, fought, who, who guides us through discipline, through love, through freedom, through power, through empowerment, gives us the spirit of love, of self-control, of a sound mind, gives us the fruits of love, joy, peace, gentleness, goodness, faith. God just sounds so much better than anybody else, doesn't he? When you think about a father who cares about you and wants you to excel, wants to walk you into your freedom, and wants to make you powerful and guide you into strength, that's so much better than someone who's just using you. So baptism is a step into this this place where I realize now that my life is going somewhere, and if it's going to go somewhere new, I've got to follow someone new, and that someone new isn't an earthly person. Never was. Not an earthly entity. Never was. That person knew is the Father as displayed in His Son, Jesus Christ. That is the new leader. And He does things differently than the old leader. The Bible says this in Hebrews 4. I love this passage and I'm about to twist it on you. If you're familiar with it, you're about to get unfamiliar with it. Okay? Hebrews 4 verse 11. Let's do our best... To enter that rest. That's one of my favorite lines in the Bible. Do our best to enter that rest. I love the idea of rest. I know it's a four-letter word for some, but uh, it's still an idea I like, you know? Do our best to enter that rest. But, but if we disobey, disobey God as, God's, as the people of Israel did, we will fall. Now listen to this next verse. For the Word of God is alive and powerful it's sharper than the, t- the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between the soul and spirit, between the joint and marrow, and it exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. Oh, that's a good verse. We're all familiar with it. We think it's about the Bible, and yet it was written at a time when there, there wasn't a New Testament, at least. It was an Old Testament. This isn't a reference to the Bible. It's a reference to the Word of God. 
Who's the Word of God? Shazam. <laughs> that was right. You get bonus points. It was Jesus. Jesus is the Word of God. John said so in John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God and the Word was God. And so Jesus is the Word of God. Am I saying you shouldn't trust your Bible? No, I think the most trustworthy book on the planet is the Bible, the English Bible that you hold in your hands. I believe that you can trust your English Bible because God said He would protect His Word and He didn't put any boundaries on what He would do about that, okay? And so you can trust it, but the point of the Bible is not the Bible itself. God never intended us for, for us to worship the Bible. That would be so weird. Write your wife a letter when you're dating, you know, before she's your wife. You write her a letter, honey, I love you, the most beautiful thing on the planet. I just want to, I want us to be together and on and on. You write all these really clever things as all guys are very, very corny. I mean clever. And, and you send it to her and then she receives it. She's, she's your fiance, girlfriend's and She receives it. She takes the letter. She puts it in a frame. She sticks it on the wall. She says, that's the best letter I've ever read in my life. And she never takes your calls again. She loves your letter. She lost you. That's kind of what we do with God. That's a great book. It is a great book. I love the Bible. I, it, it, I can't tell you how many times it has literally saved my life. I can't tell you how many times I've watched it save the lives of others. It's a powerful book. But it ain't Jesus. It's a connection to Jesus. It teaches us all about Jesus. It connects to the Father. It connects us to the Spirit. And so, if we're going to go somewhere new, we've got to follow someone new, and that someone is Jesus. Jesus is your future. And I know that doesn't really answer probably the problem you're facing right now. Because the best answer I've got, and that I'm ever going to have, and the only answer I'm ever really going to give you, although I'll use a lot more words to say it, is that Jesus Christ is the answer. And I know that whatever you're facing, Jesus is the answer for that problem. Do I know how Jesus is going to manifest that answer? I do not. I'm here to tell you that every time I put expectations on God, He exceeds my expectations without ever fulfilling them. He is something else. I, I don't predict God anymore. I, in fact, I tell people all the time, they, they ask me these questions about God's judgment, God's wrath, and I'm here, and I tell them, man, I, the great unknown of the universe is the mercy of the Father. We have no idea how merciful the Father is. And I am so thankful because I'm a train wreck. There's no heaven on earth. If you get the thing you want, It'll fade. It won't be as important in just a few days, weeks, or months. If you get all the money that you think will make you secure, it won't. I've seen medical problems, job losses wipe out incredible fortunes. If you think that there's a place on this earth where you can truly find peace, you can't. This earth's a wilderness. There's not enough here. There's plenty in the kingdom, but there's not enough here. If you want the answer, it's Jesus. And baptism is how I declare publicly that I am following 
Jesus. He's my leader. He's my master. He cuts away everything that's dead in me and, and, and makes me new. He restores my soul. He's everything. And the more I know that, the more I step into that, the more I believe that. He's done everything for you. You know, a lot of times, I don't know if you know this or not, a lot of times we are asking God for stuff he's already given us. You ever, your kids ever do that to you? Now, maybe, maybe like a couple of weeks ago, I asked Cayman, my 13-year-old, to empty the dishwasher. I never saw him come in the room Never saw him into the dishwasher, which is weird because Cayman has one speed, and it's not fast. It's just, he has two speeds, and if you don't like the first one, you sure won't like the second one. Sorry, old, old jokes here. But um, I said, hey, man, I want you to empty the dishwasher. He said, okay, Dad. He might have argued with me for a minute, but he said, okay, Dad. And then I went to my office, and I never heard a peep. I never heard the dishwasher door open. I never heard the cabinets and all that kind of stuff. And so I come out of my office probably an hour later, and I'm a little mad because I don't think he's done the dishwasher. And I go find him. Cayman, I told you to empty the dishwasher. And he said, I did. And I went, and I don't know how he did it, but he did. He sneakily which is, I thought was impossible for Cayman, sneakily emptied the dishwasher. So I'm telling, I'm about to make him go do something he's already done. And we kind of do that with God. We're like, God, forgive me. And he's like, I put my son on a cross. Pretty sure I got that covered. God, I need new life. I rose my son out of the ground. And when I took him out of the ground, that life promised you life, so I've already answered that prayer. What if the reason you're not advancing in your faith is because you keep asking God for stuff he's already given you? And I don't know if God can get frustrated, but I would be in heaven going, sheesh, ask me for something I haven't given you. Oh, I gave you everything in my son, Jesus. So see, when I'm baptized, I'm, I'm committing, I am publicly saying I'm, I'm going after Jesus Christ. One more time, let me just throw this out there again. That is not an add-on to your life. That's the focus. Baptism says I focus. That Jesus is the center, and now everything else reorders around Jesus. Does that make sense? That means that baptism is, not, is more than a ritual for you. Let me retap 1 Corinthians 10. All of them ate the same spiritual food, and all of them drank the same spiritual water. For they drank from the spiritual rock that traveled with them, and that rock was, who's the rock? The rock was Christ, Apostle Paul. Under inspiration of the Holy Spirit, the rock was Jesus Christ. So you're seeing that in the wilderness, what God's trying to teach them is, is that their supply, their source, their provision was dependent upon him. And his answer was Jesus Christ. Does that make sense? So baptism has to be more than just a, a ritual that you walk through because the nation of Israel was baptized and they rejected Jesus. The Bible says in verse 5, God wasn't pleased with most of them, and their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. There's a lot of dead slaves in the wilderness over there. 
that never learned to trust God, that never trusted God's answer. And God's answer is Jesus. And so baptism isn't a ritual that you go through and it connects you with the church. It, 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 it isn't something you do that, that gives you a, a spiritual experience, although it may. That's not its purpose. Its purpose is for you to take a, a, a step of obedience because you're going to find out with God that every step of obedience teaches you that God is faithful. I mean, Jesus to Peter, come on out on the water. What kind of nut steps out of a boat onto a raging sea? Someone who trusts Jesus. And that's what we're doing when we take that step into that overwhelming flow of baptism. We're realizing that Jesus overwhelms our life, that the pursuit of our life now changes. And now I'm free. I'm free from my pain. I'm free from my past. There's nothing I've ever done and nothing I'm ever going to do that is not covered in the blood of Jesus. And so we step into the water and we walk out free. It might take us years to learn what freedom means. It probably will. But when we can stop asking God for things that he's already given us and start praising God for things that he's already given us, our life's going to change. In fact, I'll, I'll tell you what to do. Yes, I, I, I said a while ago, asking for forgiveness, I kind of alluded that God already had that covered. But he does say to confess our sins. And so we should confess our sins to God, maybe to someone else if we need to, or if that's something he leads us to do. But when, that, when you do that, instead of feeling bad about the mistakes you've made, we need to feel glad about the goodness of God, who made a provision for our sin, who overcame everything we've ever failed at. And, and then we can step into that purpose that he has for us. So I, uh, the Bible says in Romans 13, 14, out of the Passion Translation, it says, instead, fully immerse yourselves in the Lord Jesus, the anointed one. And don't waste even a moment's thought on your former identity to awaken its selfish desires. You see, this is what baptism's about. It's an immersion into Jesus. And this is what has to change our thinking, is an immersion into Jesus. So many years ago, like 34 of them, I married the lady who's back there in kids' church today, uh, Christy. Not all the ladies back there, just, just Christy. <coughs> I'm not going to make any jokes about our geography at this point. I'm going to let that go. But... um. You know, I was, I was just, a, I was such a kid. I was 17, she was 19. I don't recommend it, but it's, it's, what, it's what we did. It was a different time. I stood there and my wife's, we were supposed to be in the backyard, but it rained. She was very unhappy about that. Her grandmother was very happy about that, and it really made my wife upset. But that's another story. I'm, I'm just reliving the trauma of the drive out of there. I'm okay now. <laughs> I'm standing there in the living room, and my pastor is giving us the vows, and we're saying, I do, and, and uh, so forth. And I'm looking at this woman who I love with all of my heart, my first love. Uh, and I won't tell you that story. I want to right now, but I, I won't. I'm going to stop. And I, I knew I loved her. That's all I knew. I had no idea what was coming. You stand there in your youth and you, you make a commitment to someone and you think, 
I got this. This is going to be awesome. Happily ever after. Yeah. And that is not how it goes down. Miserably on and on is what starts. <laughs> Eggshells and difficulty and so forth. She would agree with me. I made her, I was, the, I was the rough one. I was the rough one. I had no idea what love meant at that moment, but I committed to her in that day. And that's what baptism is. You have no idea what the Father has for you. I don't know what his purpose is for you, for your marriage, for your children, for this community. I mean, I know what the ultimate purpose is, but I don't know the path. I don't know the pain that you're going to have to travel through to be that beautiful masterpiece that he has made you to be. But if you can stand in that moment of baptism and you can say, I don't know it all. I humbly admit, I don't know it all. But I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm going to follow Jesus. It's that simple. And you know, and as long as you do that day by day, it's not really that overwhelming day by day. I mean, it's when you look at the whole picture. I mean, if, I'm sure if, and he, maybe he did do this to Paul because Paul was kind of a jerk, but I'm sure if he had just shown Paul, hey, what am I, here's what I'm going to do with your life. If I were Paul, I'd have walked away from that crying and screaming, going, I can't do anything. <clears throat> I don't know what he has for your life, but I know this. Baptism says, Today and from this day forward, I'm walking toward freedom by following Jesus Christ. So as I conclude today, I'm going to take a few minutes during the, the last two songs, and I'll be at the table over here behind this prayer sign. I'm going to ask Linda to go ahead and help me in case I have a few other people. If you've never taken that step to follow Christ, or if you've never been baptized, we need to get you down. Because I don't just baptize people that show up. I want to be able to talk to you. I want you to know what you're getting into. Because when you're baptized, you're getting into something. And, uh, and I don't mean that to scare you. New life is awesome. Being born is a challenge. Ask any baby, right? Just kidding. So I, I'll be over there while we sing. And I just want you to look at baptism as a step into this, new, into this new freedom, an immersion of your thoughts and ideas of freedom, and a way to let go of what was. Let's pray. Worship team, if you guys would come up. Father, you are so good. There are things that you do that you do just for us. It's not, there are things that you don't even need. But for some reason, you give them to us as gifts. And I, 